0: Hello, welcome to Reed Scholars Live. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Fleming, and current president of Reed Scholars. Today, I am joined by Dr. Arnold Henry, who is a family medicine physician and sports medicine physician in Indianapolis, Indiana. So, welcome so much. Um, I'm glad you could join us today. How are you?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, had a great day in the clinic today. Um, the weather's actually going pretty well right now. We're supposed to have a good week. and. Uh, Actually, got a chance to eat something. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually really good.
0: Oh, uh, you know that's something you know we sometimes take for granted. But sometimes going to the bathroom and having lunch, mm-hmm. oh, that's like a, had, that's a two scores of the day. Sometimes exactly, you miss exactly, exactly. <laughs> Well, you know, let's start with going back in time um, a little bit. Tell us so you're in Indianapolis now, but tell us a little bit about your journey there. So, why medicine? Why family medicine? And then you added on sports medicine, right? So, uh, tell us a little bit about that journey and and why you chose those particular specialties.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Actually, I knew I wanted to be a doctor from the time I was seven. I just remember. I have four sisters, I remember my dad lining us up and asking us what do we want to be when, when we grew up. And uh, I initially wanted to say a lawyer because my family was heavy in politics, but uh, all four, actually three of my sisters said lawyer, one sister said a teacher. And I'm like, I'm not going to say a lawyer now. Y'all <laughs> messed it so up. I was trying to think who else helps people. And um, the main thing I could think of was, oh, the first thing that came to my mind was a physician, was a doctor. So then I said I wanted to be a doctor and um, put my mind to it after that. And then I've always been involved in sports, particularly track and field. And so I knew that's what I enjoyed. And so I always wanted to kind of relate the two.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Um, and you know, so I have this Mahari um, background up because you know we are both Mahari made, right? Um, and I think one of the things that, or many things, that, you know, I tell people I, I was there on purpose, right? That I was meant to be there as part of my journey, um, and it was very uh, instrumental in building my confidence as a person, in addition to a physician, right? They they're um, very much about in building you up as a as a complete. But it's also very mm-hmm. focused on serving the community right and and being one entrenched in the community, you know it's a neighborhood um, hospital to say the least, uh, but also very much focused on serving the underserved and so we talk about that a little bit in the context of being a black man in medicine, right, uh, and we've looked at those numbers over the past few years, and there's not that many of you. Um, so talk to us a little bit about kind of going through medical education being one of, you can tell us you were one of how many, um, you know, growing up, did you see very many black male physicians and, you know, did that ever influence your trajectory at all?
1: Actually, uh, it, it has. Um, so about to get real personal. <laughs> so when I was a kid, actually, um, I, we, we, there were some issues um, in the family and everything like that. And I uh, was taken to state custody. And so um, my first time seeing a pediatrician, it was a white female, very nice, very thorough, but they, she discovered something abnormal in my exam for which I needed um, surgery after further testing and everything like that. And so I needed surgery. And I was very scared. I was seven, I was seven at the time. And uh, my mom was with me, she stayed with me, but the only thing I saw were people that did not look like me, okay? And um, one day, um, so I had my surgery, I'm in um, my hospital room with my mother, and there's a team of surgeons that came in And in that team of surgeons, there was one black male. And I don't know why I was so astonished, probably because I had never seen that before, but, and he was very tall, so he stood out. (laughs) And uh, he just, no matter what anyone said to me, my eyes were just fixated on him. And I felt just this enormous amount of comfort. I was scared like crazy as a kid, but for some reason, I just felt so comfortable and did not know why. And looking back, it's probably because I saw someone that I could familiarize myself with. And um, and I still remember that to this day. And um, just thinking back on that point, that's what I want it to be like with me. I want other black males, um, even. Um, Black females, um, adults, you know, to have a certain comfort level when they see me and know that I have their best interest in mind. Not saying that others don't, but it's something when you see someone that looks like you, particularly when you're not used to seeing them.
0: That's so true. So you know, I have a similar story to you in that, um, I was one of, like I used to say, one of those crazy people who decided they wanted to be a doctor when they were a kid. Right. So I was about the same age at seven. Um, and I think, you know, when we said that at the time, you know, we knew what, you know, we knew doctor, right. But we didn't really know what it meant. We didn't know what training meant. We didn't know what the level of commitment meant. Um, but you know, as we grew and learned and understood, um, what it what it entailed and you know thankfully it stuck and we kept going but uh one of the things that i did because i that wasn't a common place for me and and i've told my mother i said i only want to see black female physicians from now on um i think i said that somewhere around 12 or 13. so she said okay i'll find you one um and so my pediatricians in my teenage years were all black women um and so you know but it makes a difference right because then you you have to see it to believe it and so and my mother thankfully had enough you know vision and foresight to listen to me and know how influential that can be when you're thinking about uh having the confidence in yourself to to fulfill your dream so um i can relate to that story a lot and so thinking about you know, thinking, going back to Meharry, I, I remember I came from a majority institution um, and then came to Meharry, so different experiences, right? And I remember being in my medical um, school education and sometimes being mistaken for someone who didn't belong there, we'll just say that to say the least, right? And one of the one of the things I remember, and I, I don't know if I was an intern or a second year at Meharry, and somebody just casually, not a patient, think maybe somebody who worked there was like hey Dot," and I was like you like you don't know me but you knew I was a doctor I wasn't part of the custodial staff I wasn't a nurse I wasn't a student from another institution you know it just gave me a sense of belonging right like I'm supposed to be here and I was acknowledged for being there for the reason why I was there and I think sometimes you don't if you're not a part of this community, you don't know how empowering that is. Um, So tell us a little bit about kind of being in that, like why did you pick Meharry and what did that do for you as part of your medical education?
1: Yes. Um, so I was running, so I used to run track and field and, um, one of my coaches, uh, he knew I wanted to be a physician, and he kept in touch with me. He was kind of like a father figure to me. And uh, he actually knew Dr. Martin, who was the president of Meharry at the time. And uh, I was applying to all these different medical schools. And um, and he said, you should give Meharry a try. And I said, oh, really? I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go to med school, and um, I... I'm pretty thorough in my research, and so I looked up Meharry, and I was astonished by the connection with Meharry. I remember even interviewing, it was such a family-like atmosphere, um, and interviewing at other, interviewing other places, it, I didn't quite get that same feeling. I didn't quite get that same feeling. I mean, I felt comfortable other places, but I felt really comfortable at Meharry, and um I had never been away from home. Um, I mean, I lived on campus in college, but I went to school um, in state. And so uh, I knew I wanted to be somewhere where I was comfortable, somewhere where I felt at home. And then um, I went to HBCU. I went to uh, Morgan State University. And uh, it's something about that Black school feel, you know? and I felt that same feeling there. I, I needed some place that will cultivate me and some place that would nourish me. And I did get that from Harry.
0: Yeah, definitely. I did get that. Definitely. And so,
1: even like other folks that I see, from, that I graduated with, or that went to Meharry, is a certain personality mm-hmm. that um, just um, comes and shines from uh my old schoolmates or people who who went there it's like a it's like a certain feel a certain familiarity that you feel with them and i don't think that's a coincidence
0: that's true t- i mean you know it's in certain situations you bond in such a different way and even though um you know, even we were talking a few minutes ago, you might not speak to somebody for 10 years, but that's part mm-hmm. of your family, right? And so you, you pick up just like you left off. And if that, you know, thinking about my residency cohorts, cause not, not just my classmates, the whole cohort across the, the four years, um, if any of us I think needed anything and we reached out, it'd be like we picked up just like we left off. So it, it definitely builds more than just colleagues and coworkers, it definitely builds a family. Um, so thinking about, you know, young, young men who are um, coming up, you know, behind us and who are interested in medicine or just interested in being, going to professional school in general um, and maybe not have the mentorship, may not have the access, may not have the family support, right? Like you need a lot of support to get through this process. How do you encourage them or mentor them um, or try to you know if you say cultivate them into having not just the access but also feeling empowered enough to go through the process. Uh,
1: I think one big thing is motivation. Um, something that uh, probably a lot of people don't know about me is the, the way I grew up. Um, I grew up pretty much in a hood. I mean honestly there's times when uh, that there's times we didn't know where the food was going to come from. There's times We didn't know where money was going to come from. Um, My dad had to work really hard. There's times when he had to. I don't know if people are familiar familiar with this term, but when he had a (laughs) hack, and that might be a Baltimore thing, but that's kind of like when you get in your car and um, you search around, and people look for rides, and they yell hack, and it's kind of like a like a a, like a a Uber, self made Uber. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And then they get in the car, y'all agree on a price and they drive you there. <laughs> and, um, and so, and then the, it, there's been so many situations where um, I felt discouraged. There's been a lot of situations where I didn't feel smart enough. Um, and so I just basically try and relate uh, my old experiences to whatever experience that person's going through and let them know if I, could, if I was able to make it through, it so can they. And um, one thing I met with Dr. Moffin um, a couple of times when I was at Meharry and he told me, he said, it's not about how smart you are, it's about how dedicated you are. Mm-hmm. And he said, you put in the hard work, you will get through. And uh, And that's what I did. And honestly, when I look at where I am now, And look at where I was then. Uh, I remember my bed used to be chairs that was just set up beside each other. Mm. And that's where I slept Um, because there was not necessarily a bed for me. Um, My sisters may have been in the bed. And so, but now I look at the wonderful blessings I'm afforded now, and it is a testimony. And so I know that that is not just for me. That's for anyone
0: that wants to share that experience. And so I'm hoping for those listening that they hear that, right? Like you have a dream and don't be discouraged, right? So it doesn't matter um, if you come from humble beginnings, um, you can make it as long as you have a dream and some dedication um, and willingness to do the work that it takes. Kind of, kind of, Pivoting just a bit, because we talked about representation um, as far as encouraging other Black men to pursue being a professional, being a physician, Um, but speak a little bit about what it means clinically. So there are a lot of people who don't really um, get the difference it makes in having a diverse medical staff in general. Uh, but also how it can influence clinical outcomes by having a provider who looks like you, or, or it can identify with your lived experience on a deeper level um, than somebody who comes from a different background or um, different ethnicity or yada yada yada. We can go down the list, but um, speak a little. Speak a little bit about that for us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so um, I love where I work now, um, and uh, I do. Uh, mainly sports medicine, and I do non-narcotic pain management now. But I started off doing, um, after my fellowship, doing sports medicine and uh, family medicine. And so I was the only Black doctor in both offices. Uh, I was only actually in my family medicine um, office. Um, There was a a Black female doctor, and I was the only Black male doctor. And uh, it's in downtown Indianapolis. And everybody there was just very welcoming. Um, and did not make me feel any kind of way um, but the patients I think um, were very receptive to the fact that there's a black physician there um, and uh, they a lot of them wanted to see me not necessarily because they liked me because they had never met me but because they said oh there's a black physician or even a black male physician because there's a lot now I've Black women are more likely to, to go to the doctors more than black men. And I had a lot of uh, guys come to my office saying, I was waiting for there to be a black male physician. Wow. <laughs> and I said, Well, there you go. And, um, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> and then at the end of the whole experience, they said, Some of them actually cried and broke down because mm-hmm. some of them indicated they knew they needed help, but they weren't comfortable. And it wasn't that the other physicians in the office were not capable because they were probably even more capable than I am having more experience. It's just that they did not feel comfortable in having someone, being a physician, you talk about personal things, you treat personal things, um you I mean it's almost like you're a family member. You know, sometimes you're closer than a family member because you know things that other family members don't know. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so um there were little guys, football player size guys, who would break down and said, Doctor, I needed this. Doctor, I needed this. And um that you know, I try not to cry in the office. So <laughs> I just, I, mean, I may have shed a tear on the inside of my eye back here, of that lacquer rolled up back here. Uh, but, you know, it just made the whole experience worth it. And I knew I was doing the right thing. And so even now in my office, um, I work in ortho office now um, at, the, um, at Indiana University. And again, I'm the only black physician. Uh, but like I said, it is still, all still the same like the fact that others are coming to the office um because now there's a black physician there and they know they need that help you know and you know what not just um black folks not just white folks everybody um is just more accepting of it now um, and sometimes people um who are not black this is their first time seeing a black physician and the fact that I can expose them to that, particularly in this climate, you know, and they're like, and they would say, oh, this is not what I thought. This was one of the best experiences of my life, which I've heard um, in the clinic anyway, best experiences of my life in the clinic. It, it makes me, it lets me know that I'm representing the right way.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. I think, um, you know, the, the, to the first point, I think sometimes it's so much more comfortable to be able to start the conversation in the middle. I say that a lot, but, you know, when you come in and you're already uncomfortable, you're nervous, you've got something going on medically, you don't want to have to explain the backstory, right? Um, You don't want to have to reinterpret your words or be on guard. And so I think sometimes when you walk in an office and somebody looks like you, you feel like you can start that conversation in the middle and it makes you have such a, a better experience and then to the second point you know I think you know you know a whole conversation for another day but in the midst of the chaos that is America right now um, you know I think there and I feel that way sometimes like you know maybe it's just one person at a time but trying to break down those barriers and stereotypes and uh, when somebody can walk away from me who comes in the room guarded right I walk in the room and they're like okay not what I expected and then they walk out like, can I see you again the next time? You know, you, It's just a small win, but you, know, you hope that it's building these bridges and building these relationships and you know, hoping that you know, some be a little bit of the fix um, of the things that we need in America today. Um, but with that, I know I can't keep you too much longer. You've had a long day. Um, so I'd like to end on a little optimism so mm-hmm. tell us what you're looking forward to, what's on the horizon, what's something that you're optimistic about as we um, soon transition out of 2020, Lord help us, uh, <laughs> may and maybe post-pandemic and kind of move forward. What, what are you optimistic about?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I actually, so, uh, so right now... I am the uh, Associate Director, one of the Associate Directors of the Medical Student Education Board. I'm the Assistant Director of the Sports Medicine Fellowship at Indiana University Health. I'm the Medical Director of Gordon Gloves in Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, And I have a non-narcotics pain management clinic um, here in Indianapolis. And um, so I feel like I'm moving really fast. I feel like I'm moving very well. Even with that, my passion is outreach. My passion is outreach. Um, every state that I've lived in, I've uh, started a, a, a kind of like a, a like a step team uh, brotherhood um, for at-risk male youth, and um, it's been a little harder to do that here. Um, pos- possibly because of some of the demographic here, but also of the available resources. Mm -hmm. And so I do hope to kind of start that so that way I can start, uh, one, giving back to my community a certain way, but also show that um, the guys who are out there who feel like they don't um, have much hope, which I mean, I think I felt at one point when I was a kid, that there is hope there and kind of Help bring them um, in that direction that they want to go in. So I'm, I'm, I am looking at resources. I'm doing outreach now, but I actually like to step, um, as evidenced by some of the arthritis in my knees. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to have to start giving myself injections later on. But you know, I feel like that's a great way of physical activity and a good, great way of relating to the young men out there. So I'm hoping to um, hopefully get that started soon.
0: I like it. I like it a lot. I mean, you're not just um, you shared your journey and you're not just walking the walk, not just talking the talk, you're walking the walk. So um, too much is given, much is expected, and you are fulfilling those things. So thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing your journey and your time with us today. And I wish you well. It sounds like you need some rest because you do a lot of things. I am want to get some sleep tonight. <laughs> Well, take care of yourself and we will uh, hopefully talk again soon and and see what's up next for you.
1: I love that. Thank you so much.
0: Bye-bye.